Voice of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. Today, Pastor Russ looks at how Jesus keeps bringing what it means to be a part of the abundant, flourishing life to love. The flourishing life is a life born in and exists for the fruit of love. The sermon comes from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 16. It seems, it seems like there is no day that we go that we don't read a headline about a crisis of something. Something we're short on. Housing. Don't have enough houses, so the prices go up. Baby formula. Don't have enough of that. There's a crisis there. There's a crisis in electronics and the chips, so there's a crisis in the number of cars that are available or the microwaves that you can get. There's a crisis in oil because of all the supply and the demands and the war and there just never seems like enough. It is easy to it is easy to think that we're just in a, a series of ongoing crisis and I say that because I'm going to introduce one more that I think is underneath a lot of this and it is a crisis of fruit. Not bananas, not apples, not oranges. But the fruit of a life that, that bears something to do with what Christ is talking about. Jordan just read one of the most amazing passages about abiding and remaining in Christ. And that, as the offertory talked about, the, the, the branches and the vines and we are connected. And we're to bear fruit and we're, something is supposed to happen and the question, after 2,000 years of Jesus, and 2,000 years of people say they're following Jesus, is, so where is all this fruit? Where is the fruit that we see? Where is the fruit in our own lives? If Christianity is the, the largest religion in the world, and it is. And there's more people professing Christ than any other faith. Shouldn't the world look a little different? Shouldn't there be a whole lot less poverty? And a whole lot more compassion? And a whole lot more of the things that Jesus talks about that we celebrate. So where, where, where is this, this fruit that we keep talking about? Where is it in the church around us? Where is it in my own life? Is, is, I mean, this is where it gets down to, right? It's not just about pointing fingers at other people. This is about taking stock of my own life and say, so where do I see that in my own life? And there's a credibility problem with this, right? The, the illustration I sometimes use in new members classes is, I want you to imagine that you are in a new community and you're going to check out a gymnasium, a, a gym, a, a, an athletic membership, and they show you all the machines and they have incredible literature and they got great t-shirts and water bottles. And the person who's been there the longest, they wheel out to talk to you because this person's been there for 20 years. And after 20 years of this gym and all this equipment and these cool t-shirts and water bottles, they look a little bit like me. 
if someone who looks a little bit like me is the result of hanging around a gym for 20 years, of being their star member, you would have every right to wonder, maybe I'll look somewhere else. Right? I mean, where's the fruit? If, if, this is, if you're the star member of this, of this gym, which is supposed to make you fit, and, and where's the disconnect? And, and doesn't it seem like that is the question that I think people outside the church, when they look at the church, want to know? It's like, wait a minute, you talk about love and you talk about compassion, and you're, where's, where's all this fruit? Shouldn't we be a little more suspicious about the claims for all that's going on? And it is a crisis of fruit, but I think part of it, part of it for me is over the years I have learned that there is a crisis of confusion about what we're actually looking for. Sometimes what we think we're talking about fruit isn't fruit at all. It's not bad, it's just not fruit. Big. Whether it was in youth ministry or early on in, in the years of, of ministry, I, I found myself equating, and maybe you do too, if it was big, that must be fruitful. Something must be good. It, something good must be going on for all those people to be there. And there's nothing particularly wrong with big. But that's not the same as fruit. Success. Success is good. We like things that are growing and, and, and things. Ha but success is good, but it's not fruit. Or, or, or we make the real dangerous. The real dangerous connection, which is being busy. If I'm busy all the time, I must, there must be something going on. I must be fruitful and... Some of us have learned the hard way that being busy has maybe required for any seasons of life, but it also might be a distraction from actually being fruitful. Being busy has nothing to do with being fruitful. And we've all been in places, and I've been in places, you have too, where those things get changed. Maybe even in your own mind today, you're thinking, well, isn't that part of the fruit? It, Again, not bad, but it's not what Jesus is talking about here. And, and it might even explain why, why we give ourselves to the, the, these things over here and neglect what is actually being asked for, which is the fruit. The, the, what, God, what Christ is talking about is a life that is grounded and bearing fruit of love. How many times in our passage today, how many times in our passage did, did Jesus talk about being grounded in and having to do with fruit that lasts. And, and it has to do with love one another as I have loved you. This is what it is about love. Paul, by the way, Paul, by the way, when he talks about fruit, and in his own passage that came before the book of John was written in 1 Corinthians 13, he just goes through, you know, there's all these things that we talk about. But if I don't have love... I have nothing. It, it's not fruit. It's, it's something, but it's not, it's not what God is interested in. And so the confusion is sometimes is we give ourselves to the things over here that may look interesting, good, maybe good in themselves, but we neglect what God is talking about and what Christ is offering because we get away from what this whole thing is supposed to be about, right? We, we keep, in the history of church and history of people is, the work of love is hard. It's nice to say, and it's 
feels fuzzy and warm, but the real work of love, oh man, that's tough. It's better to be busy. <laughs> it's, it's better to get distracted. Except at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we really don't have much. This idea of bearing fruit and, and the symbol that we have, have used in front of ourselves for, for all these months, particularly around here, which is the tree of life, it's meant to bear fruit. And you find it in the Bible. You find it at the beginning in Genesis. You find it in the middle in the book of Psalms. You find it at the end in the book of Revelation. This is a symbol of something, of a life that is somehow so connected with God and what God is doing that it bears fruit and it blesses all those around it. And if we miss that, we're going to miss what, what this is all about as busy and as successful as we may be. I have come to learn, and I have come to believe, I guess is what would be a better way to say this, is I come to believe that the crisis of fruit is also the crisis of focus, of what it is that we focus on. Because while we talk about fruit, the, the one thing we typically do is we just talk about the top part of that tree, as if it's our job to create fruit. It's whether it's being busy, successful, whether it, it, it's whether it is something that we just want to look good, and so we think we have to create that fruit. We have to show it, and we get there, and, and we have neglected what Jesus is talking about in this passage. We don't create fruit. A tree doesn't create fruit. A vine doesn't create grapes. What it does is by staying connected to the source, it bears fruit that belongs to the source, whether it's the branch or whether it's the roots. I'm the vine, Jesus says. You're the branches. If you reign in me and I in you, then, then you're going to bear fruit. Without that, it doesn't matter what you do. You're, you're not connected. You're not going to show anything in your life. So let me ask this question. If you had to in your own life, just where, where have you seen fruit? And I think churches are a dangerous place to talk about this because of the way churches have sometimes been shaped and formed. That somehow we have to put on a good fruit. We have to look like we're fruitful. And, and so we just put on the... You know, we put on the smiles, we talk the talk, we, we put on the t-shirt, we have the water bottles. Um, but where is that, where do you see that kind of fruit growing in you? And if you, like me, have grown a little suspicious about the happy talk that comes with churches and all of that, then maybe we change our focus. Because I really believe, I really believe that the, the focus, uh, the, the, the crisis of fruit is a, folk, is a crisis of roots, if you, want, if you want to bear fruit, any gardener knows the thing that you pay attention to is not just when the flowers are blooming, not just when the fruit is coming off, but all the work, all the work is really back here in tending to the soil and to the roots because it's there, Jesus says, as you are connected to me, then you bear fruit. As you nurture this, as you are grounded, as Paul says, rooted and grounded in love, that's where the life starts to change. The Bible talks about abiding and dwelling and remaining and being connected, and all of that is part of the same thing. It is hard to know, and... Uh, 
how to help people grow. As someone who's been standing up and talking about this stuff for more than 40 years, I've been reflecting on that. And I've become convinced that, as you know, that more and more what I want to talk about is the roots. But I, I know that's not easy. And so sometimes it's easy just to, to kind of glide past that. But I think the events around us say we, we dare not pass this stuff up. Because even if we don't think we know how to grow the roots of people, we do know how, we do know how to corrupt and we do know how to create bad fruit. A couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, there was another mass shooting, this one in Buffalo. And it was one more horrific event. One more horrific event that somehow says, what's wrong with us as a society? Why do we keep bearing fruit like this? This 18-year-old who goes in and guns down kills 10 people, wounds another three, goes to a particularly intentional black neighborhood, black place where, where there were people of color will be intentionally. And what, what caught my attention on this one, because it just one blends into the other, was, was the picture that he took of himself as he was filming himself live as he intended to do to do as much destruction as he possibly could was the rifle. Now, at the end of the rifle is a, a phrase, and we just kind of took that off the rifle. But there is this number 14, and I, asked, I got to, what is that? And it turns, out, it turns out that 14 has roots here in Denver. In the early 80s, there was an assassination of, of a Jewish radio host here in Denver. And the person who was behind it, the person who was for, furthering it, his name was David Lane. And, and he was a, a, a rabid white supremacist. And while he was in jail, he continued to write. And as he served his whole life for this and other things in jail, he continued to write. And he continued to write and, and had what, used, what was known as a 14-word manifesto. Basically, is we have, to, we have to ensure our own survival and the future of our white children. And rather than write that out, the number 14 became code. So what takes place in Buffalo two weeks ago had its seeds in the early 80s. But beyond that, it, that whole idea of, of something that was, that was terribly wrong that we have to protect, that the idea that, that we're being replaced and that we have to somehow fight for ourselves, and that, that actually goes even further back into the early 30s when, when the first time we hear the word about replacement and the, the conspiracy of replacement. But it goes back even further than that in, into the Reconstruction. It goes back even further than that even into the Founding Fathers and the way it is built in and the assumptions about who counts and who doesn't count. It goes back into the human soul, doesn't it? Because it goes back into who they are and who we are. And it's they have come to replace us. They've come to take away our way of life. They've come to take away our women. They've come to take away our jobs. They've come to take away and ruin our economy. And it 
permeates everywhere. There is always an us. There is always a them. And them, they are the problem. And they have to be fought. And what, what struck me, what struck me in this was, here this 18-year-old, where in the world do you get all this in 18, at 18 years, within 18 years of your life? And it just, before it was etched on his gun, this was etched in his heart. And he was nurtured. And he was surrounded by this kind of hate and this kind of fear. This bad fruit is not accidental. It's, it's intentional. It's learned. It's nurtured. And as scary as that proposition is, there is also hope in it, isn't there? In that if we can learn and if we can teach and if we can create conditions that create that much hate, that much destruction... Is there a way perhaps that we could use that same principle to talk about how is we create the soil, the, the rootedness that creates good fruit? As we talk about the practices here, and it's talk, wouldn't it be great then if you have a place that isolates people in their anger and their hate and their fear? Maybe we create a community where... We talk about and nurture love. Did you catch what was going on here today? As we have preschoolers up here, they don't know you. But they came today and they stood here and you clapped for them. You cheered them. You celebrated. Do you know how long that experience is going to ingrain in their soul? That there is a place that celebrates. They are a part of this family. And this is a family that talks about love. And this is a family that tries to include others. This is, this is a place where with our youth that we try to expose them to other people. We try to train and wouldn't it be great if we had a place that the roots of service were nurtured. And as we did today with, uh, with, with the Board of Stewards that we encourage. Wouldn't it be great if there was a place that encourages generosity and the growth of generosity beyond ourselves. That points to we get to savor beauty and art we get to pray big prayers more than just for us we don't just talk about who we are and how do I protect myself we pass the peace of Christ to one another on a regular basis we gather around a table that says you belong here no matter who you are this is a table that seeks to include not exclude that doesn't seek to protect but invite others. Wouldn't it be great if there were places like that? Wouldn't that? Wouldn't that be part of the solution? Wouldn't it be great if in our prayers, as Jordan opened us up today, we didn't just pray just for us, just for our will, just for our comfort, just for our protection, but we pray because, because of who God is, because of the way of Christ, the truth of Christ, the life of Christ, that we begin to open ourselves up and start to pray. And our deepest prayers, our deepest prayers, our prayers, not for my will, but for God's will to be done on earth as in heaven. That there is a different true north than my own fear my own comfort. There is something that calls me and points me. There is something that I can give myself to beyond myself and in so doing I find my the fruit of my life. I find why I'm here in the first place.
That's really what Jesus was talking about in another book where he talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. Make that your aim. Wouldn't, be a, wouldn't that be wonderful to have a place where we keep talking about seeking first the kingdom, the reign, the realm of God and God's righteousness? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the greatest prayer was that that kingdom, that reality was here on earth and we give ourselves to that? That's what inspires the this next moment that Randy and Leanne put together around those very words. And I invite you as you listen to these words and let them just wash over you, these familiar words, to let them imprint again. Etch those in your heart. Let this be a time to reorient. Recalibrate the true north of your soul and mine. I find myself thinking about some of the old cartoons and old jokes that have embedded in me around this. And one of them is a cartoon of a minister and he's leaning on his pulpit. And he's looking down at his congregation and he's got this stern look on his face. And he says, you know, this is my fifth sermon on transformation. How come you look like the same old bunch? 
Let me tell you what I don't get to say or don't have to say is I don't have to say you look like the same old bunch in the 26 years that I've been here. That I see people who are growing fruit and I see it in their own lives. And even as we have never arrived and we keep doing it, there is this, there is this spirit. And I am able to point to this and say, you know what, this isn't just talk. This isn't just about the water bottle and the t-shirt. There are people's lives who get changed and you can see it. You can see it in the way we care for one another, the way we include one another. I see it in people who are growing fruit in their life and that they are less rigid and more, less concerned about being right and more about listening and trying to understand. They are less anxious and more trusting more resilient, more compassionate. You may have experienced that in the people around you. Maybe they've experienced it in you as well. I think that's worth calling out as well. That we are reminding ourselves of what we already know and then we encourage that in each other as we see that, as we see the people who selflessly give, or give themselves for other people, whether it is showing up and putting their name down just so they can be part of, of the emergency shelter just in case we need that, or who give themselves to the work of children's ministry, or who give themselves to the work of generosity, or give themselves in service to building, give themselves to learn and to pray and to invite and to care it changes people. I've seen it. I hope you've seen it too. What I want to do today is in the crisis of fruit is hold up that there has never been a time where that fruit is more needed. There has never been a time where we need to dis somehow discard the great the great lie, the great illusion that it's not really supposed to happen in churches or that it couldn't possibly happen in us. That Jesus was just talking about people who are super spiritual, but the rest of us, we don't have to worry about that. that no, this, is, this was Jesus saying, I have called you. I have appointed you. You are to bear fruit. We are to bear. We are to be the research and development laboratory as as one friend said we the church is called to be the research and development laboratory of what god wants to do in the rest of the world what god wants to do in the rest of the world it starts here with these people who begin to Im immerse themselves ground themselves in the way of life the way of christ the, the truth of christ the life of christ and in so doing begin to bear fruit so friends may you continue to be grounded and rooted in the love of Christ. May, may the fruit of God's love dwell in us in such ways that it bears fruit. It is not easy. It is not, it is not fast. But little by little, as we invest in and pay attention to the roots and sink ourselves in, may that flourish more and more in our life. And because it flourishes more and more in our life, it flourishes more and more in our world. And that we become more and more a place of blessing. More and more a place of health, of healing. And more and more, as we offer ourselves to what God is yet to do, a place of hope. You were made to bear fruit. Fruit that lasts. 
May we live into that together. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.